Today's episode brought to you by Real Plugs. Um, we've got a lot going on on this episode, a lot of stuff that we're pretty excited to share with you guys. But first, I Like Comics, a comic book shop on 1715 Broadway Street in Vancouver, Washington. Easily one of the most impressive comic shops you will ever visit. Uh, I've been going here for years, and I go there because the staff is kind and inviting. They're not a bunch of, I mean, they are a bunch of comic nerds, but they're very nice ones. Not to mention they have a huge array of comics, toys, collectibles, statues, hardcovers, trade paperbacks, all that kind of good stuff. Um, check out their eBay account if you aren't local to Vancouver or Portland. Their eBay account is CS1016. On their eBay, they sell some of the craziest things you've ever seen as far as comics go, with almost 5,000 items for sale right now. They also got tons of original artwork for sale on uh, on their ebay account as well again that's i like comics at 1715 broadway street vancouver check them out online at i like comics online.com i'd also like to give a shout out to the scariest things podcast scariest things.com that's with one t scariest things.com with one t eric lee and mike campbell talk about the tropes and trends of the terror genre for those who are looking to get into scary movies and for those already part of the fandom of uh, horror movies. Eric was nice enough to uh, talk to us uh, a, a couple weeks ago about how to make a successful horror movie podcast, and we really like the product that they produce. They kind of take a uh, more top-down approach than us. They don't really grind down into one movie for one episode. They kind of go over, they have a theme, they talk about a bunch of different movies. Um, it's it's real good if you want if you're looking for like a list and uh right now they're doing their top 100 list i think what they did was i think they got a a large panel of like 30 or 35 people together and then they had this large panel rate their top 100 movies and then they compiled this lit this top 100 from that so this isn't just two guys who you know who, who like horror movies making a list of their top 100 this is a bunch of people's opinions anyway so check them out again scariest things.com with one t thanks a bunch hello and welcome to horror movie talk an opinionated and accidentally funny horror movie review show your schlubby hosts each week are bryce hansen the cool collected nihilist and david day the other one new theatrical releases always get priority but we also review older older horror movies as well both good and horrible. I'm Bryce Hansen. I'm the other one, David Day. <laughs> David keeps changing his his intro on, I like, on the template, and I keep just wanting to mess with him. Don't. It's my. I get. I. Why can't I also have nice things? <laughs> um. It's just a matter of time till he starts changing mine when he does the. the I read. would. Ne- I would never disrespect you in that manner. Oh, great. Good. Then I'll <laughs> keep doing it this way then. All right. All right uh. First, want to do a couple quick plugs for ourselves as well. Our website is horrormovietalk.com. Uh, you'll find us also on social media. Facebook is Horror Movie Talk Podcast. And on Twitter, it's just at Horror Movie Talk. We post new episodes every Wednesday. So please, if you like the show, subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And also just share it with everyone that you know so that we can grow our listener base and have more fun so today we'll be talking about spiral 
This is a independent movie that we actually got an advanced screener to, so this is this is new for us, and we're pretty excited to be able to watch it before a lot of people. We'll start out giving an overview of the our review and our score for the movie. We score on a scale of one to ten, one being a miserable dredge where <laughs> makes you angry at how bad it is, five being average, passable film, and ten being so good that it's not only one of the greatest horror movies, but it transcends the genre. Uh, you guys all know how 1 to 10 works, right? It's easy, right? Right. Uh, later, we'll be interviewing Robin Block, the executive producer from In Search of Darkness, a new horror doc that started a Kickstarter campaign last week. Started um, a Kickstarter campaign like a couple days ago and already met their, what, what do you call it? They met their their criteria mm-hmm. for their Kickstarter. They met their goal. They're within gonna be, two days. I think by now they'll have their stretch goals posted, and lots lots of cool stuff there. Go to their Kickstarter page at eightieshorrordoc.com. That's eight zero s horrordoc.com, and you can see all the perks that you get by uh, contributing and watch the trailer there. We'll also have the trailer on our post for this episode. So go to horrormovietalk.com and. Find the, uh, the spiral links. review. Yeah, yeah, you get the link. Uh, we'll also put some trailer, a trailer of. Uh, I, I like both the trailers for for the the eighties yeah. horror doc for um, In Search of Darkness. Yeah, so In Search of Darkness will bring together eighties horror icons, modern horror greats, and popular horror influencers to create the most complete retrospective documentary of the genre ever made. Together, they will bring their unique perspectives as. We take a nostalgic journey back to revisit the unforgettable heroes, monsters, and movies that thrilled us and chilled us. So we're really excited to talk with with Robin today. And then finally, we'll wrap up with another round of Lifetime Movie or Horror Movie. I like this game a lot. A new game we we played last time. And a little bit of horror movie news and a little bit of uh, It Came From Social Media, where we just talk a little bit about what's happening on Horror Movie Talk social media networks. Thanks for listening, and let's get into the show. Okay, so the filmmaker for Spiral reached out to us on Facebook and invited us to review a screener of the movie. Um, so obviously this made us feel like real hot shots. Yeah, I think his name was Joe Clark. Joe Clark. Here is the trailer. Is. This is his bachelor party, and where is he? Man, he probably just went into town for something. We can always look, look for I'll him. I'll give him a call. Bitch, it's right. These are fucking right. There's somebody fucking here. Bitch, he's fucking calling fucking bitch. I'm scared, Alice. I'm scared. Help me out. I want to get out of here. Help me out. What? We're always gonna end up right here. Jay, what the fuck are you talking about? So, uh, Spiral is being released through iTunes and Amazon on October 16th. They are also holding a premiere at Arclight 
Theater in Ooh. Hollywood on that same day. Okay, so Spiral is about a group of college students who reunite in a small town in Iowa for a wild bachelor party that goes off the rails and results in a missing groom. This film is made completely outside of the studio system by writer-director Joe Clark, who is the one that reached out to us on Facebook. The film stars a bunch of young, I don't think it's offensive to say unknown, actors. I didn't see anything they're really hungry. jump out at me yet. They're hungry and, and talented. Yeah, they're very they're very good. Um, some of which are... <laughs> I wrote this down. Some of which are much prettier than I would have expected in an independent movie. Like, I was I was expecting, like... You know, if I was to make an independent movie, I'd have to get some friends and local actors that just weren't very good. These guys are like Hollywood good-looking yeah, bros. Handsome. They're handsome. Yeah. And, and good God, are they bros. <laughs> <laughs> just dripping with broage. The Sounds like a fucking blast, bro. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Drops from the movie. Um, so Ellis, played by Anthony Stratton, arrives at a bachelor party, still reeling from the loss of a girlfriend. His comedian friend Corey, played by Tyler Thurnbeck, is getting married, and all the old college buddies are invited. This includes Will, played by Hayes McEachern. I don't know. How would you say that? McEachern. McEachern. McEachern, who is the bro that stole Ellis's girl. They have a rager of a bachelor party, and Ellis quickly realizes that these friends are nothing like they were in college. As always, one morning at the strip club turns into chasing a legless man through a cornfield in Iowa, and before you know it, night has fallen along with that impending sense of existential dread. Then, you know what happens next, right? You see Abraham Lincoln lit by an old oil lamp in the woods, and you know it's just downhill from there. <laughs> Spiral is a very ambitious movie, and while beautifully shot, it, un unfortunately to me, is a hot, hot mess. You gotta say it. I, you, the first half of the movie is great and sets up the characters in the situation very well. The last half drags on and makes made me literally ask out loud, can we get to the point? It's an avant-garde film that really doesn't give you enough to go off of to understand what the point or the statement actually is. It ends up being too ambitious for the writer, and unfortunately for me, it wasn't very enjoyable. <laughs> I equated it to, it's like The Hangover 3 mixed with Donnie Darko 2, and not in a good way. So I, I gave it a score of 2 out of 10. Yeah, it has strong elements of Donnie Darko within. Um, that was my my immediate takeaway like as soon as certain things popped up i was like that's from donnie darko i i don't i i, I didn't find it nearly i didn't think it was a two i thought it was a, a pretty decent four and see but the, the thing about this is it's a very it's a very targeted feeling and demo for this in my opinion of people who would enjoy it i think <laughs> sounds like a fucking blast bro <laughs> I think that if if you are if you're into getting high <laughs> a lot watch this fucking movie and get really high because it will mess with you in yeah. a lot of different ways. It is a spiral of a movie like and and uh yeah, I so I didn't I can see where this works and for me it's a 4. 
Yeah, this. Yeah, we definitely disagreed on this one. Yeah. Like I, I think it definitely is a couple rungs below. In terms of like enjoyableness, I think even what was our first one, the Devil's Doorway yeah. that we did. Yeah. We didn't review it very well, but I could I could imagine watching that again, and I I can't I couldn't bring myself to watch this one again, I even can... though it would it would probably explain a lot of the confusion I had by watching it again. I just I can't do it but it's also not my type of film i'm not like a big david lynch fan or yeah donnie was... darko is not my favorite movie so you know take my review with a grain of salt it's just not my type of if thing. if you like trippy shit this is this is like trippy shit yeah so let's go into our deeper delve into the things we liked and didn't like about the movie and then later on we'll uh, get into the actual spoilers and and mark that point so you know if you you want to watch this to uh, skip that part. And on the uh, post on our website for this episode, it'll have the timestamps for each of the sections of the episode so you can skip forward and backward if you need to. Okay, so... The things that I liked about the movie, there were some really good good things about this movie that really impressed me. Um, it looked great. It did look pretty. The cinematography was was really good. Just beautiful shots, and you know, it almost made me question: were, were some of these shots stock footage? Because they look so pretty. They and have, there was there were some drone shots. No, but, yeah, I was going to say they clearly have a drone, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I mean, the the only thing that tipped it off were not being stock footage for me is that there were some drone shots that weren't just you know landscape that it was the actual character moving in the frame so they they had some good technology behind this yeah they had a lot of attention to detail paid to uh sets um props uh like uh, i mean really everything visual in this movie was was pretty pretty darn good especially all the practical stuff there are a few uh i don't know cgi effects i guess you would call them that that were weak (laughs) there was there was one yeah i mean the uh we'll we'll get to it later the uh what did we call it was a time warp butthole butthole. um yeah, that a couple. There's only a couple things that kind of betray the budget of the of the movie. There was the time worm butthole, and there was also this establishing shot of the strip club that had like the the sign that said <laughs> oh. "Fantasy Nude Girls" or whatever. And it's like just this track shot, you know, kind of slowly walking up to the front door, and everything is you know shaking uniformly except the sign is just just obviously photoshopped in and is kind of shaking out of out yeah. of terms. So I was, was like, man, why didn't they just do a still shot yeah. establishing that? That would have been a better choice. So that was one thing that kind of betrayed it. And then uh, also really great was the soundtrack on this by Alex Kachingwe. In the in the credits, he was uh, credited as Alex Hander, one word, oh. one name. So okay. I don't know if he's trying to go the Prince route or two names, but... Alexander Kachingue. Did you like the the soundtrack on it? Yeah, uh, they actually had. I think they they had an XXX uh, Tentacion and uh, I think I think Slump God, uh, where they a song where they. You wrote down little pump. Yeah, and then they also had a little pump song, um, and uh, and so I mean I don't know. It's impressive to me. Oh uh, look, 
I'm just some schlubby dude. I'll say it over and over again. I don't I don't know how 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 movies get made. I, I have a very <laughs> loose idea of but it seems to me when you have a small film that has a little pump song in it, uh I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't love Little Pump or anything like that, but he's a big artist and I don't, what do you have to pay a bunch of money to get his song in there or do you like talk to Little Pump's people and be like, "Hey, we got a movie well, and we want to put this song in it. Can we do that? Like, no, you can, you can, there's, there's organizations to license song. There's, there's an organization called ASCAP. ASCAP? ASCAP. A-S-C-A-P. I think that's the one for, or is that for performances? But I mean, there's publishing companies that you, you license through. Um, Joe Clark, the, the writer and director of this obviously knows what he's doing. He's able to, to pull off the project well he's he's a, has a other a couple other credits on imdb there's another kind of comedy party movie that has a lot of bro stuff going on in it too from the from the trailer that i watched and also up on the woof top what which is a christmas movie with a with a dot with a puppy woof up on the woof top up on the woof 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 top woof top i got gotcha. you yeah wow so i mean he he knows how to make a movie. Yeah. Bark at the moon. And I think in that one, up on the rooftop, it has uh, <laughs> it has Principal Belding and as Santa Claus. So, you know, in case you want to see that movie. Who? Principal Be- from Saved by the Bell. Principal, oh. the guy that plays Principal Belding. Oh, that's a brilliant name for a principal. Principal Belding. You never watched Saved by the Bell? I've watched Saved by the Bell. I just had cable as a kid, so I wasn't. I wasn't beholden to watching a terrible show. <laughs> Everybody does that shit to me. They're like, you haven't watched Saved by the Bell? It's like, no, it's just a terrible show. So I've seen like four minutes of it. Enough to know as a 10-year-old kid that this is bad and I changed the channel. Well, everyone knows that, but it's a it's your duty to watch terrible shows at that time. Belly. Same with like Full House. It was like, no one liked it, but Bell-dinger. everyone watched it. Beldinger. <laughs> got him that's a great that's a great name for a principal uh, um oh yeah also good there were lots of boobies in this one yeah not the best boobies though i mean <laughs> joe if you had gotten a couple better boobies uh, david would have give, given you a six i'm sure i mean i mean if we're judging and we are because the this is a review show. I'm just saying. There was a few rough uh, boobies in there. Eh. <laughs> you staying away from that one. Huh? Uh, I'm not, not going to. Okay. David wrote down also, got to be rough with a film like this because the strip club was empty. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I mean, okay. I'm not, I've never been to Iowa. I don't know how crowded their strip clubs are normally. Iowa has a t- I think Iowa has is like second behind Oregon yeah. <laughs> as far as having lots of strip clubs. Yeah, Portland has the most strip clubs per capita if you need a little trivia yeah. item there. And I, yeah. I worked on Pell Boulevard once, which had the highest concentration of strip clubs of anywhere in Portland, and it was literally like one every other building. How many strip clubs have you been to? Zero. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> The uh, the thing the thing about the strip club there's a decent amount of this movie that's in a strip club, and um and the the problem with it is that it was empty. Now they have a decent premise for it being empty, which is they're literally in the woods in the middle of Iowa. 
like <laughs> it, you know so how busy could that strip club strip club really be um but there are there are some some spots where i mean i'm giving I, i'm i'm kind of ripping into an independent film for you know having some minor continuity issues or or like feel issues and that's mm, is it fair i don't know but i noticed it so there it is yeah so before we get into spoilers one one bad thing that i mentioned that's not spoilers is the sound mix was really bad for me and I think we kind of got to the root of it. Yeah. When me, so, and, me and David were talking. Did you did you watch it on TV or on I the watched, sound system? I watched it on my computer, which has a two point one sound system. It usually is is okay, but just the mix of the audio was was off. Like w- once it went from music to dialogue, the dialogue was so much quieter. Oh. Then the music that I had to turn up the volume way up, and then once the music came back on, I had to turn it way back down. And it was just a, um, just a levels issue with the dialogue and. Yeah, I so Bryce said that um, he watched it be- uh, like a night before me, and uh, and I watched it also on my computer, but I listened to it on headphones. So I kind I kind of went into it going, I bet it'll sound better on headphones, and it sounded sharp. Like it was fine. Everything about yeah. it was was great, and so uh, my guess is that this was mixed without monitors, <laughs> or you know, or without the, the i uh, without surround sound um, considered. Yeah, it also might be because I'm kind of uh, hyper vigilant about it with the with the podcast. I know that one of the number one beefs when I read podcast complaints is. Audio quality, audio quality, yeah. and um, whether the two hosts are the same volume. And I know we're not the greatest at that, but we try. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I know, I know to like compress it and try to get up the levels to a certain amount of loudness to where people aren't reaching for their volume dial every every other sentence. Yeah. And so that was one thing that just stood out for me. I was like, man, I gotta crank this up and down every once in a while which kind of took me out of it audio issues are horribly distracting for me normally i've gone to the extent of getting basically at least a 2.1 in on both of my tvs um which i mean it's not like it's a huge hassle but it's a lot more than i would have normally done but specifically for this issue like sometimes in the past now it's a lot better but in the past i'd be watching something on netflix and the dialogue would just be quiet and i can't hear anything and it seems like I think maybe my hearing's going because everybody else seems fine in the room. I look around like, like, like what the fuck? And everybody else is just sitting there going, mm-hmm, this is fine. And I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck is going? Can you hear this? And they're like, oh, it's a little quiet. But anyway, so normally it would drive me nuts. So I can totally understand uh, where you're coming from with that. Yeah. Um, so now let's move into spoilers. Okay, so talking a little bit more about the plot, it becomes pretty clear early on that uh, Ellis, the main character, uh, he's getting over his girlfriend being lost, and the uh, guy that stole her was in on this party. And independently, David labeled him Study McMuffin, and I labeled him Handsome McHandsome. We're both. (laughs) This guy was chiseled. He had like the whole chiseled jaw, and he was. I mean, my wife would leave me for him. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he's good looking. There's a couple guys in this that were good looking. There was, a, and, and they were good looking in 
different ways, in tropey sort of ways, in like, <laughs> oh, what a dick. <laughs> like, there's the dick looking, like, the good looking <laughs> dick guy. Like, oh, I just don't like his face, but I know he's good looking. Like, I know he would get girls. Right. And then there's just the classic, like, study McMuffin. Mm-hmm. And then there's... Um, so I want to go on record. I just want you to notice that, yes, we do notice boobies and we do call them out. But it's we're not chauvinists because we're observing how good looking these men are. Oh yeah, well. man. Well, well, I mean, you, you can't. You, it would Both be disservice as, as enjoyable. It would be a disservice to the listeners if we didn't. Like, <laughs> like you got to know what you're what you're getting here. And these are some good looking dudes in this movie. Right. Like, I, I doesn't it doesn't hurt me to say that they're good yeah. looking dudes. Right. Uh, <laughs> and that those boobies were bad. Yeah, there was a couple the 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 cast in this. Um. The girlfriend that we see in flashbacks, she reminded me, I, I wrote down, poor man's Alison Brie. Very interesting um, looking woman. Yeah, she was pretty, and yeah. but like very unique. Like, uh, yeah, Alison, uh, Alison Brie. Not a poor man's Alison Brie. That's rude. Alternate dimension no, I, Alison when Brie. I say When I say poor man's, I mean like, if you were going to cast a Hollywood movie and you're like, hey, we need Johnny Depp. But uh-huh. we can't afford Johnny yeah. Depp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who would you get? Uh, Skeet Ulrich. <laughs> I like how I'm like, hey, don't be rude to her. But those boobies are bad, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. No, so she was like a poor man's Alison Brie. Then there's a stripper that I thought was like a poor man's Marina Baccarin. Yeah, the main stripper. Yeah. The like head stripper. Yep. And then... The guy, one of the bros in the in the party, like I had to check because I thought he was the guy from Unfriended Dark Web. He looks so close. The druggy guy, yeah, the, the one who was most interested in just sitting around and doing drugs the whole time, right? Yeah, yeah, he did look a lot like the guy from Unfriended Dark Web. Yeah, at least the hair, at least yeah. the hair in the face. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> here we can play this drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh all right let's just try to make sense of this movie because i could not i this is why i don't don't like avant-garde or or experimental movies that and i it's like a a razor's edge for me because i don't like it when stuff is explained too much if the exposition is so blatant and bad and i don't like it when you're given nothing and this one it was just didn't give me enough to the point where I was just starting to get annoying. They chose a bat. They really like, this is a tricky, this is tricky subject matter because this is supposed to be fueled by drugs, right? Right. The whole movie is essentially fueled by drugs because they're, it's a bachelor party. And then it's also supposed to be like a mind fuck. Like it's supposed to be about a, um, what do you what do you call it Uh, like a psychological like someone's mind is being messed with in this movie and you can't tell exactly what's happening and who's who's whose perspective you're watching it from so it's uh, yeah even gotta be clear like like (laughs) it's gotta be clear yeah even on imdb i think it has this marked as a thriller and it doesn't explicitly say it's a horror movie there's not really many horror elements other than just a lot of confusion and dread and yeah there's dread there's i mean there's a 
corn maze at night. <laughs> yeah, there you, you go. You know, there's... There's Abraham Lincoln. There's, you know, dude. A, a lot of tenseness, and um, there's a few little jump scare sort of things. Yeah. It's, I mean, it falls under... It definitely is more of a horror movie than The Little Stranger. Um, yeah, so, so what happens is some fat, ugly guy shows up and, and steals... With one leg. With one leg, steals the groom... And they wake up, and everyone's reaction ranges from Ellis is very angry, and then there's some people that are completely nonplussed and just don't care. They're yeah, like, eh, he'll find his way. Back. Yeah, it was the full spectrum. Each person was just the next step on the gradient of this spectrum of like caring to not caring. And so Ellis goes out to find him, and he he goes back to the strip club, and weirdness happens. He's confronted by this fat guy with one leg that kind of yells at him nonsensically. Yeah, like talks backwards, like very David Lynchian. And then he starts his friend. So the friend that is missing, the groom, is named Corey. And then Corey starts talking through fat one-leg Pete, you know? Yeah. And he says, you know, it's in the trailer, too. It's like, I don't know, I don't think we have the Ellis, here. Ellis belongs to me and demand his worship. Only Corey will set you free. I think that was the stripper, though. Oh, oh there's yeah. there's a lot of quotes. So that was one one point where you're trying to give him clue. This is basically he's got everyone in his leg, in his wooden or is in his fake leg. Yeah, there's just a lot of confusing thing. And then he's he's confronted by like the black, I'm assuming pimp or something. It's never really explained what that black guy at the strip club is other than he's got a knife and he's menacing yeah yeah there's yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on yeah. in this movie and and it's all psychological thriller e and it's not explained it's like it's like a less clear david lynch <laughs> <laughs> it's think of like a razor head but not as grating but still as confusing. Yeah. Um, and then, so he goes back to his friends, and then does he go through the corn maze, or some, one of his friends goes through the corn maze and he discovers goes, the... He goes through the corn maze, and then he's like, dudes, corn maze. And then the the one of, one of his friends is like, gets locked on this corn maze. Yeah, and we'll just, say bro three. Bro number three. Oh, he, I think was Abraham Lincoln because he got so obsessed with the corn maze and then Abraham Lincoln comes walking through the corn maze. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You see, you see what we're talking about right here, folks, you know how it doesn't make any sense at all to you. It doesn't make a whole lot more sense to us Yeah. right now. If it, if it is, you know, intensely boring listening to us, try to break down this movie, it will probably be worse actually watching it. <laughs> I disagree. Again, I really do disagree. If you if 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 you want to like get really stoned and watch a movie that's going to mess with your head, this will do it. This will d- definitely take you down that road very well. So they get they go to this corn maze and they find this this uh, wormhole butthole. Yeah, it's a time warp butthole of and some they, sort. They explain it. Bro number three explains it that the x-axis is time (laughs) and the y-axis is space. And then the z-axis, question mark, question mark, question mark, (laughs) equals profit. So, I mean, it's – he says the numbers don't add up. 
It was like, you, you didn't mention any numbers, bro. Yeah. Uh, anyways, they go through this corn maze, and I think what we're led to get out of it is it's this interdimensional time portal or something, and they get caught in it, and when they when Ellis finally gets in there, somehow he, he gets Corey and pulls him back out, and then two of the other bros are caught in it, and they are trying to get back out, and uh, Will, the guy that stole his girl, um, ends up being the fat, you know, peg leg guy, and bro number three turns into tall, old guy, Abraham Lincoln looking dude. See, you're interpreting this literally, and I think the thing that I kind I got a I got a sense for it at the end. There was a lot of backwards talk um, that was all dubbed at the at the bottom of the and in an intro too, and at the intro too, and um, and I think what I ended well, what I ended how I ended up interpreting it was like two of these or a couple or all of these friends are parts of one of maybe Ellis's his psych his psychological profile essentially like they're all different parts of his mind because some of them are trapped there and you know as as memories in his head and yeah it's it's trippy like th- <laughs> that was what I got out of the end of this movie like yeah, I was and like then somehow... I think these pe- these these characters are actually like different parts of his psychology that are stuck in a loop and 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 he and he can't he can't come to terms with them and yeah. the ones that he does come to terms with are the ones that end up making their way out but but then there's like this weird storyline with the girlfriend who kills somebody in the drug den does she kill someone in the drug den? Well, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he gets back. He gets back or does not get back with his girlfriend in the end. And then somehow she's the person with the gas mask in the beginning. And and I I just don't know. Here Here's a couple quotes that we might be able to, to uh, suss out. So, um, Fat Peg Leg says, I need Corey's energy to get back. To get back. To get back where? So I think, pretty sure Pegleg Guy is is uh, Handsome McHandsome. Yeah. And that that's made pretty clear, because it shows Handsome McHandsome walking into the strip club. He's like the super, old version of Handsome super, McHandsome. Yeah. He's like super bitter, and it shows that he has a peg leg when he's still young, but he steps on a nail somewhere in there, and it gets a really nasty infection. Within, and that's like, how he loses his leg. Within like two minutes yeah <laughs> he, like steps on a nail and all of a sudden sepsis sets, sets in within 10 minutes we're gonna have to amputate right now <laughs> um that didn't actually happen sepsis didn't set in and he didn't amputate right away i'm just saying right. that that's that's what's inferred right um here's some other quotes life is a spiral okay um you you put me in here with your judgment yeah see, this, uh, this is where we're getting into the stuff where it's like you it's part of someone's psychology. Yeah. You can't hide. She'll take the mask off. You can't hide. She'll take the mask off. And this is referring to his girlfriend or the one that he lost. Sure. She'll take it's anyone's guesses. Uh, 
Ellis's judgment holds you here. His judgment took your leg. We are all bound with chains. All of them are inside you. They just chose to hide it. You need Corey's energy to be free. You are locked in without it. You ever? And that's you the ever, stripper that said that. You ever look at the Disney D and think it's a backwards G? <laughs> <laughs> that's what this movie is to I, me. I think it sums it up. It's I, what, think, I think that's where we should just end it. That's what this movie is to me. Yeah. It's just something that looks like something else. Spiral. Did you ever look at the Disney D and think it's a G? I, I've always thought it's a yeah. G. I, it does, I just think Gizney. Yeah, Gizney. Uh, <laughs> so final recommendation. Uh, who would like Spiral? So, like if you, Not me. If you get high, <laughs> like if you fucking get high, if that's you, this you, you should do that and then watch this movie and you'll 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 get weirded out yeah i i wrote down film students i think film students and film professors would find this interesting yeah yeah that's that's fair um anyways it's releasing on the 16th so that's in about a week after this episode is released go to streamspiral.com all one word streamspiral.com and I'm sure eventually they'll have links to iTunes and Amazon. And I'm gonna say, releases. I'm gonna say, I I think our listeners should should stream it, should buy, it, should pay what it costs to rent this, and take a look at it. And but be warned, you probably won't be happy. <laughs> <laughs> I I I very much appreciate Joe Clark reaching out to us and allowing us to review this movie. Yeah, man. So. Thanks, thanks, Joe, for for reaching out. Um, we look forward to your next movie. We look, and if you want to come on the pod and uh, explain to us how to interpret Spiral, we're all ears. Yeah. And uh, we'll definitely, if uh, Up on the Wooftop 2 comes out, we'll we'll uh, make sure to plug that as well. Hell yeah, man. I'm all about that Wooftop. Wooftop. All right. Today's games are brought to you by Green Mattress Co. Tired of feeling tired because of a mattress that just doesn't cut it? Well, now you can cut your own. Mattress, that is. That's right. Green Mattress Co. gives you all the ingredients that you need to grow your own mattress. We include hayseed and organic-friendly fertilizer so that you can grow the filling for our fully renewable mattress in just three months. We even provide the burlap to hold the filling in place. The best part? When you're ready for a new mattress, it's fully renewable. Just cut yourself some new hay and be on your way to a better night's sleep. Visit greenmattressco.com slash HMT to receive 10% off a flea collar for you and your significant other. Yeah, um, next we're going to be interviewing Robin Block, the executive producer of In Search of Darkness, the definitive 80s horror doc. We pre-recorded this conversation with him, and he was calling in from London at very late in the night, in the evening. Uh, I think it was almost midnight over there when we recorded this, so um, keep that in mind. But I don't think he was tired at all. Nope. Yeah, so here's our interview with Robin Block. 
Okay, on Skype we have Robin Block, the executive producer for In Search of Darkness, the definitive 80s horror doc that's looking to get funded on Kickstarter right now. You might have seen the preview trailer for it uh, advertising the Kickstarter. It looks really cool, focusing on the entire horror genre in the 80s. Robin has been working in media and content creation his entire career before founding Creator VC. He ran an award-winning production company and a thriving thought leadership business. He's also produced long-form documentaries for major broadcasters, including BBC, Channel 4, and Discovery, as well as having his own DVD label. Robin started Creator VC because he saw an opportunity to serve special interest audiences and bring together the right people to make great ideas happen. Welcome, Robin. Hey, thanks ever so much for having me. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, that was so, a great introduction. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we David saw the um, In Search of Darkness trailer a couple weeks ago. And we'll definitely post the, the trailer on the, our post, and you can go to 80shorrordoc.com to go to their Kickstarter page, and it has the preview there, or the trailer for it. And anyways, David was really excited about it. It looks really cool, just very nostalgia-ridden, showing just tons of clips of 80s horror movies. So Robin, uh, whose idea was it for this doc? Did someone come to you, or was this a project of your own mind? Um, This was an idea I had. Um, I probably should provide uh, some context. So... Just before we began work on um, In Search of Darkness, I had just completed uh, fundraising for another feature-length documentary, which is about 80s action movies, called In Search of the Last Action Heroes, (laughs) um, which was successfully funded and is now in production. Um, uh, My producer, Ty, is off to L.A. on Sunday to start filming uh, the first 20 interviews, and that's that's a hugely exciting project. Um, but it was the first project that I launched under my new Creator VC company banner, and it was just so much fun working on it. I just loved the people, loved the actors, loved the directors. Uh, the team I had uh, was phenomenal. And I thought, gosh, you know, well, we finished the crowdfunding campaign on the 14th of July, and I thought, well, you know what, what's coming up? And obviously Halloween was coming up. And um, in England, uh, the new Halloween movie is uh, being released in cinemas on the 19th of October. And I thought, you know, I had so much fun on this 80s action film project. Why don't we do one for 80s horror? And the thing about action movies is action movies have a, you know, a, a significant following. But the horror community is is vast in comparison. And I hadn't really seen anything put together in the way that I wanted um, to put together a project. Um, because, you know, the 80s now is 30 years in the past. And so what this film is doing, and it's really for the first time in documentary history, is bringing three distinct groups of stakeholders together to look at 80s horror, to re-examine it, to relive it. You know, this documentary is a love letter to 80s horror. And the three groups of people are, are of course, your 80s horror icons. So we've landed some amazing contributors, people like Stuart Gordon, the director of Reanimator. We've got Jeffrey Coombs. We've got Joe Dante. We've got Larry Cohen. We've got Lloyd Kaufman. Um, We've got so many... Uh, you know, 80s horror icons. And we've got so many more announcements um, to sort of uh, deliver over the course of our Kickstarter. Um, 
But that's just one stakeholder group. You you would expect 80s horror icons to be in a documentary about 80s horror. Right. But also we've got modern horror greats. We've got people like Ryan Turek, who's the head of development at Blumhouse, who's one of the producers for the new Halloween movie uh, that's coming up very shortly. We've got Lee Wanell, who is probably one of the most well-known horror actors in modern times from Saw and Insidious. And obviously he recently directed Upgrade, which is a phenomenal movie. We've got David Michael Latt, who uh, was the creator of the Sharknado franchise, which <laughs> regardless, everyone laughs when I say that, but whenever you, whenever, you know, I can go down the street and say to someone on the street in London, have you heard of Sharknado? And they'll say yes, because he created a global pop culture phenomenon with that. And it's a, you know, it's a, a play on what B movies used to be. Right. But the, th- but the third group of stakeholders in our film, this, this, this third group are actually, I think one of the most important and it's the horror influencers. So this includes the YouTubers, it includes the journalists. We've got the editor of Fangoria. Um, we've got the editor of daily dead. We've got the editor of dread central. We've got Michael Gingold, who helped start the careers of people like Guillermo del Toro. Um, we've got a load of social media influencers and a load of uh, you know, horror, 80s horror experts. Three groups of stakeholders all together looking at 80s horror is going to shed new light on what made it so great. Um, but it's not, I'm not trying to you know, create something which is a, a serious um, you know, video essay. I want to create something which is just super fun to watch. You know, my intention Mm -hmm. is that if you watch this documentary, you will go off and go on a 12 hour 80s horror binge um, and and want to watch loads and loads of those films. Because it's really about, you know, going back to that feeling um, of when you first discover, uh, you know, these iconic films. And there's something really different now. I'm 40. And a lot of the people who are working on the project and a lot of the people that have funded us on Kickstarter, uh, you know, 35 and upwards. And, you know, what we're trying to do is just relive that feeling of when you first discover these films. Um, And that's a really powerful feeling. And that's where nostalgia comes into it. And that's what's so powerful about 80s horror. You know, you get people who self identify with that genre they have tattoos they have the t-shirts they have the merchandise you know and when you start talking to them about the characters and the films and their experiences of first watching them it just it's just very emotional it's quite a powerful um effect that these films had and that's one of the elements that we're definitely going to tap into so i'm having the best time on this project we launched our we launched our kickstarter on thursday uh, at 6 p.m. And we were we hit our initial funding goal um, in 48 hours. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. I got to say, uh, I, I saw that and I was like, oh, my God, this thing's got some steam behind it. <laughs> well, you know what the thing is, right? Why I started Creative EC is I realized that we're entering a new paradigm in how creative projects get funded. And what's great about crowdfunding is that you get what you deserve. It's a meritocracy. You know, if you put a lot of work into something, if the idea's got traction, you'll be successful. Right. I mean, I was going to say, if you if you were just coming off of a doc in July, that's a pretty big, pretty quick turnaround. I don't know, to me, I don't know how long these things take, but 
to just go from the end of July to now to have what you've got already in terms of marketing for it. It's it's impressive to get get those stakeholders. Yeah, well, it's you know I've I've been doing this in other um, in other ways in other platforms for for many years, and um, so I'm you know I've got a, an amazing production team um that that handle production and i'm working with some amazing creators on the on these projects so they work in sort of seven and eight month cycles Mm -hmm. so we deliver um in search the last action heroes in april 2019 and we deliver um in search of darkness in july uh, next year as well nice and so we've got uh, a few projects in development and it's just a constant cycle of of production and crowdfunding's really just one of the elements that feeds into the investment that makes these these projects possible. Okay. So is has production started at all on the dock or is it when does it go into production if it hasn't already? Okay, so so In Search of Darkness goes into production in January and February next year. Um, it might it might stretch slightly over into early March. Um, but we've got a whole bunch of interviews already sort of lined up in the diary. And for um, In Search of the Last Action Heroes, um, my producer, Ty, is flying off to L.A. on Sunday, next Sunday uh, to begin filming. So they'll, they'll sort of cross over on each other. So it's this, the same production team working on both projects. Nice. Just a real basic question. What's your favorite horror movie from the 80s? That's such a difficult question, right? So my list changes daily. You can but give I us you could that, give us like top three or top five or something like that if you don't okay. want to commit to one. No, okay, because they do change. But if I think about the film that I believe has had the biggest impact on me, it would probably be the thing. I, um, I was gonna say that's that's that was is my go to. I think that made me my go to horror movie of of all time. But definitely you know, from the eighties. It, it's crazy, right? So you get some movies which. You know, they improve with age, you know. So the thing I've seen like a zillion times, and I, I would say um, my wife and I, we watch it every six, we re-watch it every six months. And often we'll do like the trilogy. We'll, we'll watch the uh, original um, 1940s, uh, was it The Thing from Outer Space? or the, I can't remember the full title, but the original 40s one, we'll watch John Carpenter's one and we'll watch the one from 2011 or 12. Hmm. Um, and it's like a, uh, I can't get enough of the thing. But yeah. the Carpenter's um, the thing is, is just a superior film in every way, I believe. And you get, yeah, like I said, I went to the cinema um, about three or four weeks ago to watch the original Predator, and that's you know another film which is from the eighty from the eighties, which hasn't aged, which is just a perfect film if you could always close to perfect as possible right um i completely uh, agree with you so far you're after my heart (laughs) yeah right so so this is but but this is what's amazing and and the thing i mean um, there's so many so i remember the i was very young when i first watched the thing i must have been about five or six and i remember the chest the chest busting scene and i (laughs) have vivid memories of it um and you know i remember being 13 years old and what my friend came over and he brought a copy on VHS of Evil Dead uh-huh. and I watched the Evil Dead I remember just you know jumping out of my 
you know, I was on the sofa, jumping out of the sofa at some of the scares. And the thing is, you know, I really think that being 12 and 13 years old is probably the best time to watch these movies um, uh, because they can have the most impact. And, you know, I can't think of another era and another decade which has so many iconic characters. You know, you know we're, where we are now in 2018, we're still trying to retell stories with characters from that era. That's how special they were. Um, and, you know, what we're trying to do with this documentary is really pay homage to them and tell stories that haven't been told before and look at the work in a different way. You know, we very much want to contextualize it from where we are now and look back to why, what, you know, what were the things that influenced these characters? What were the things that influenced these films? You know, practical effects. There's something really joyous about practical effects. And you mentioned earlier that you, you, you saw the trailer a few weeks ago, but that was our teaser trailer. That was an 82-second montage. I think it was about 66 films I in saw that your, trailer. I saw your new one uh, yesterday. Um, I'm really pleased with the new one. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, that's ex- I, I was showing that to my brother last night. I was, I was getting all excited again, all over again for the doc. Yeah, so it's just, you know, that that trailer basically convey, conveys the feeling we want this film to evoke. And it's really as simple as that. You know, there's something about horror, and it's counterintuitive when you think about it, because horror is scary and it's, you know, horror as in horrible. But actually, you know, I think that the people that I've met so far on this journey with um, In Search of Darkness have been the best people. And there's something about 80s horror which is all about belonging because you know, the kids in school that loved horror movies, they were often the outsiders, um, you know, in, in their schools and now they're adults and there's something very unifying and special about coming together again and, you know, looking at and talking about eighties horror. Yeah. It's just a great way to meet cool people. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's been really interesting. You know, uh, I mean, we're a relatively new podcast and uh and we weren't sure how you know how how this whole thing was going to work and so everything's been pretty new uh to us as far as joining kind of quote unquote joining the horror community but it's been it's been wonderful like the amount of people who are just uh willing to embrace you know your you you know what we do uh, is just off the charts everybody's just excited like there's no uh, you know, even like what what you could consider rival podcasts have just been like embracing us with open arms and just being like very excited about it. So I think you're definitely right. The horror community as a whole, I mean, great, great audience to target because they're so passionate about, you know, about horror and and they're just excited. Somebody else is, too. And so that's why I think this documentary is going to be going to be a big deal. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there's nothing more that I want than to delight the audience, you know, and for me, it's a very emotional thing. You know, 80s horror is an emotional thing. It taps into something which is um, very powerful. You know, nostalgia is a very powerful emotion. Um, And, you know, I don't think these films necessarily are scary in the same way they were when we first saw them. Um, but these characters and movies and just the whole aesthetic of the time and the practical effects, for yeah. me, it gives me a very gives me a very warm feeling, a feeling of comfort, a feeling of familiarity. 
You know, and if we look at the sort of wider context, uh, you know, especially in America, we had the Cold War, we had Reaganomics, we had AIDS, we had, um, you know, lots of uncertainty. There's some real parallels between that time and where we are in the world right now. Um, but, you know, the 80s is what the 50s were to our parents' generation. And I think we look back to the 80s as being a bit bit of a simpler time, a less complicated time, a more innocent time. Yeah. And I, I think, think I think in yeah. terms of like filmmaking, I think eighties stands out as as a unique time, especially with practical effects. I think the practical effects, even though they might look cheesy and they might not be as scary as they used to, they still stand up over time and, and are really, really effective. I think if you watch like The Fly, it's still yeah. gonna creep the fuck out of you, you yeah, know, if, you're, if you're watching I mean, it's that just, it's just amazing right and so you know one of the things i'm really delighted to um mention is that we've got tom savini um on board uh, oh, wow. we're going to be filming tom savini we're going to be filming tom woodruff jr as well um so you know we're, we're going all in on practical effects you know that's one of the core elements of it um and you know you these films, when it's done right, they don't date. Um, right. you know, they, they don't date. They remain, you know, almost in, you know, fossilized in amber. They, 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 <laughs> they haven't eroded. Whereas 90s, if you look at 1990s CGI, oh, yeah. it looks appalling. It it's looks awful. appalling. It's a it's huge awful, step right? backwards. It's a huge step <laughs> backwards. Massive, and, massive. Yeah. And, and it's sad to me that practical effects kind of got canned. I mean, the 80s is like the pinnacle for practical effects. And then and then the 90s, I think, killed it off, you know, the, right. the interest in CGI. And uh, and really, I mean, if you're looking to scare somebody and to really disturb them, there's just something about... About uh, getting caught in camera. Yeah, about getting caught, getting it caught in camera. And the physical movement of something real is just, it, it can be upsetting. And especially what they do with, like, moving the, you know, like... Re re fast forward animation and that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. you know, where they're playing it a little bit faster than it's actually being recorded. All, all, all of that works to just be a lot more disturbing than anything you can reproduce with CGI. Right. We, we reviewed a movie called the evil within a couple episodes ago and it was an independent movie and there's a lot of practical effects and stop motion in that. And it was just so effective. The movie was kind of got off. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was okay. Yeah, it was a decent movie, but, just it was it was a breath of fresh air to see some really good practical effects again in, in a movie and I think I wouldn't be surprised if if uh, some horror movies move back towards that using a oh, lot more practical effects. Yeah, that's definitely happening, uh, and I think filmmakers are realizing that for the longevity of their work, of their work, they want to move to practical effects and in camera effects. Um, you know, so practical effects is one element, but another element. Um, which is something that we've really tried to deliver with our Kickstarter campaign is um, uh, the artwork. You know, so when I was growing up, we'd go to Blockbuster or we'd go to an independent video store and there was a ritual to doing it. And yeah. my mum, you know, I, I grew up in a single parent family. My mum was a big horror movie fan. So a, a, a ritual for us was on a Saturday night getting a pizza and, and driving down to the video shop. And my mum didn't really understand the rating system 
which is good for me at the time. So I'd always go and we'd choose like, you know, the craziest horror movie we could watch and we'd order them pizza. And, you know, I've got, you know, it's, it, I've got very sort of strong memories of that time. And, you know, the, the, the thing that seduced you into choosing a movie, you know, this is before the internet, before reviews, was the cover art. Oh, now, yeah. Oh, the man. cover art is gorgeous, right? Mm-hmm. Just so gorgeous. So, you know, the, the sort of king um, of that, I suppose, in America was Drew uh, Struzan. But if you grew up in Europe, the king of cover art and poster art for horror movies was um, a gentleman called Graham Humphreys. Now, when I started this project, I had Graham in mind from the very beginning, and he was kind enough to allow us to commission him to produce the most gorgeous um, landscape poster art for this project, which if you visit the Kickstarter page, you'll see it's the first image that you see. And, um, you know, obviously I've been, I've seen the original and how he works, and it's just, it's just gorgeous. Like I'm at my computer now, and I've got a big ultra widescreen monitor and I've got the artwork as my uh, desktop um, image and my screensaver. Sure. And it just it just looks beautiful. And um, we're going to be releasing a short video in the next few days where we show the process Graham went through to produce that art. Yeah, so, so part, of, guy, part of the yeah. Kickstarter is um, at the different donation levels, you'll you can get a either postcard or the actual art print of of uh, Graham's work. Is that correct? Yeah, it's limited edition signed um, copies uh, and prints of the artwork. Um, we've got, I mean, one of the other amazing things that has happened is we've gone into a collaboration with a record company called New Retro Wave, which um, is a... They're a big sort of synth wave record label and movement that really the people that love that music love 80s horror. They love 80s. It's it's sort of reliving 80s in a modern context. So they're going to be producing an official soundtrack album. Oh, that's uh, super is, cool. Yeah. Like, are they yeah, the people who do cool. like Kavinsky and that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and, man, that's um, fabulous. Yeah, like say so, like New Retro Wave, their YouTube channel has like 725,000 subscribers. They're that's super, super cool, man. people. So I was very excited about that. That's there's a couple of bundles um, that I think would be of interest to your, to to your um, audience. So we've got a, a bundle called Herbert West, uh, where you get the Blu-ray and you get the poster, um, and then we have um, uh, another bundle called Freddy Krueger, where you get the uh, Blu-ray, the poster, the T-shirt, and the soundtrack. Um, and uh, that's proving to be one of the most popular tiers. But it's interesting. So when we talk about crowdfunding and Kickstarter, people refer to it to it as a donation, and I never think of it as a donation. I always think about it as it's rewards-based crowdfunding. So what, in, a, in fact, what I'm actually doing is pre-selling. Um, so when you back us on Kickstarter, um, you know, a donation is when you provide finance or something with with no um nothing back for yourself apart from knowing that you've helped something happen that's not what we do what we do is we um produce really gorgeous um merchandise and hopefully 
you know, Blu-rays and soundtracks and T-shirts and posters, which you will treasure. So that's really what you get for the investment. Um, but what we've been trying to do, and it's been working, is um, let our audience know that this is with them. You know, we're doing this with the horror community. Um, we've got some amazing people on our advisory team. You know, this is for you and it's by you and it's funded by you. And that's what's so amazing about crowdfunding is because you don't, you know, there isn't a big sort of studio executive making all the decisions. You know, we're listening to our audience. We're about, so this, so this show is being recorded on um, Sunday, the 7th of October. And on Monday, we're going to announce our stretch goals. So by the time this goes out, um, the stretch goals will be out on Kickstarter. So, you know, one of the main comments we, we had in terms of requests is, look, how long is this documentary going to be? And our audience wanted something long. They wanted something that was in depth. So we're going to deliver a theatrical cut, um, which will probably be, you know, 90 to 110, 110 minutes. But we're also going to deliver an extended three-hour-plus cut. Oh, baby. Uh, yeah, which is going to go hardcore. Um, and that's going to be part of um, the stretch goals that we announce tomorrow. Um, so this is very much community driven. Um, and even you know, getting an opportunity to be on this show with you guys tonight is, is great because, you know, that w what's more fun than talking about 80s horror movies? Like, <laughs> I can't think of anything more awesome yeah not much uh, by the way the uh the if you want to head on over to uh to 80s horror doc.com that's 80s horror doc.com you can uh you can be a part of the kickstarter and uh i think everybody who don't who donates is 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 named on the on the doc yeah that's right that's right you get uh your credits uh we've got some amazing um opportunities as well so we've got you can buy an associate producer credit you can buy a producer credit you can even buy um an executive producer credit and we have one tier where we will um interview you and feature you in in the actual main film as well so f for us it was very important to include wow. the fan base in the work you know we've got people like um Spencer Hickman from Death Waltz Records that got acquired by Mondo. We've got Ben Scrivens, who runs Fright Rags. Um, and as I mentioned uh, earlier on, we've got um, a whole host of editors and, and really we've got Scott Weinberg. You know, this is a film and horror author with, yeah. um, you know, 85,000 followers on Twitter. So we've got, you know, the, the A-list in terms of journalists in there. And... Um, you know, what they represent is the bridge between the work and the fans. And it's very important that we included that voice in our film. Awesome. One last question for you here, Robin. Um, when you release this, um, where are you hoping to, to release it? Or is it too soon to know that? Could this, could this show up on Amazon or Netflix or something like that? Well, um, we are talking to distributors, um, and that's definitely part of the game plan. It is too early to announce anything. Um, okay. But uh, our focus is really delivering for our backers. So what's amazing about, again, crowdfunding as a mechanism to make creative works is you can disintermediate the distributors because essentially you're creating work for a, a highly engaged audience 
So, so the audience and the influencer networks that we work with to, to reach our audience fund the projects, but they also are the audience. So you can actually have a full sort of circle um, where you can create the uh, capital to deliver the projects for an audience that isn't otherwise served. Um, and that's the amazing time that we're in at the moment because because of social media, because of how quickly media and the technology behind media has accelerated um, how we consume content. So I don't know about you, but if you guys are on Instagram, I bet your Instagram is entirely unique to you in terms of the people you follow, all of that is curated to your interests. Yeah. So what you're finding now is when you get special groups of, well, when you get groups of special interests, like 80s horror, um, you know, not, you know, there's lots of casual fans that love 80s horror, but there's also like a hardcore community that are just all about 80s horror and they celebrate it, they make it relevant. That's who our audience is, that's who we serve. And by using Kickstarter and crowdfunding as a as a way to create um, something that they want, that they fed into, that they have an impact on, it, it, we don't really need anybody else. Um, it's just that with the popularity around the 80s and with the um, fact that I think the campaign's been pretty well executed in terms of our proposition, it makes sense to um, work with uh, distributors but I'm very much focused on who our audience is, and it's the hardcore fans. It's the ones that really want something like this to exist. And they're the ones that are going to put their hands in their pockets and make this happen. So yeah. Yeah. For, for me, it's really humbling. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Robin, um, for calling in and, and talking with us about the doc. We're really excited about it and, and look forward to, to watching it when it's completed. If you want to support the uh the doc in search of darkness uh the definitive 80s horror doc go to 80s horror doc.com that's 80s horror doc.com we've we've been talking with robin block the executive producer and they've got lots of good ideas for drawing in the audience and and creating a doc that will fulfill all your nostalgia for 80s horror movie so Hooray. thanks again robin yeah thanks for staying yeah. up late all the way over there in uh, in london uh it was a real honor to be invited onto your show thanks so much and good luck with it with the shows I'm, i was listening to what you guys were doing earlier before i came on and it's it's great stuff so thanks again oh we appreciate yep. it thanks robin take care okay. bye-bye bye-bye okay so that was our interview with robin block next up we're going to be playing our game of the week called Lifetime Movie or Horror Movie. Okay, so in this game, I read off the description of a movie, and David has to guess whether it is a Lifetime movie, a Lifetime Channel movie, or a horror movie. If you don't know what Lifetime movies are, it's a cable channel, and they do lots of direct-to-cable movies for mostly women audiences. 
I'm yeah. not going to judge if you watch Lifetime movies, but it's definitely weighted towards, you know, domestic violence. And, yeah. And like... Who done it? Uh, who done it stuff. This is a hard game. Yeah. I dare... I'm... I dare anyone to do better than me. Anyone. I'll fight you. So... I wonder how much of our podcast is just us shuffling through paper. Well, I edit most of it out. Oh, uh, wow. You're good. <laughs> you should listen to our show sometimes. It's good. It's pretty good. Um, Ew. So if it's a Lifetime movie, I'll be playing this. You can uh, guess where I stole that from. And if it's a horror movie, I'll be playing this. Horror! And then New Development... There are some Lifetime movies that are horror movies. Oh, shit. In which case, I'll play both of them. Horror! Oh. So, I have, now I have to guess if they're both? That's not fair. That, you know, how can I possibly? This I, only works because it's binary. I mean, I don't make the rules. You do! Just you just did! <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely what happened. Okay, if you're going to do that... You have to tell me, uh, is there just one in this? It'll be obvious if it... it Nothing probably, in this game's obvious. Well, we'll, we'll see. Um, you get half a point if you guess either one. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> is there one in this that's, that's a both, or is there two? There is... Okay, yeah, this is what we'll say. There will be one. We'll do five. Okay. And one of them will be both. Okay. 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 I am ready. All right. So play along at home and see how you score. David, take your score. So yep. we keep it honest. Yep. All right. First one. It was supposed to be a romantic escape from the city. They never imagined it would become a fight for their lives. Oh, man. Thinking out loud is the hardest part of this whole thing because I can't just let it be dead silent. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be a romantic evening in the city, and they and it turned into a fight for their lives. It was supposed to be a romantic escape from the city. Escape from the city, but it turned into um. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say this is both. Horror. It's a horror movie. I get a half a point. <laughs> <laughs> nope. You get zero points. That's what I'm doing. Mm, oh, you can't just guess both every time. <laughs> nope. You get zero points. That's Killing Ground. Killing Ground. What's that? Is that? You can watch it on Netflix. Okay. Okay. Next. Number two. It's the coolest new personal assistant app on the market. It knows all your friends and your deepest, darkest fears. Personal assistant app on the market. Knows your deepest, darkest fears. I'm saying horror. Horror! Correct. That is Bedeviled on Netflix. Okay. He thought he could swipe right for a one-night stand. She had other plans. Ones that would ruin his life. What the fuck? <laughs> I don't. That sounds. That sounds horrifying. <laughs> one more time. Give me that one more time. Uh, he thought he could swipe right for a one night stand. She had other plans. Ones that were ruin. Ones that would ruin his life. Jesus Christ. 
Well, I mean, technically, this is a horror movie. Oh, this is both. This one's both. Horror! All right, I'll give you half a point for that one. It sounds like... What is it? That is Bad Match on Netflix. Man, okay. See, because that's... So that is horror. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that sounds that sounds way too terrifying to be a... <laughs> Good Lord. It sounds like it's just like somebody's targeting a person to, to ruin his life. Okay, number four. Photographer Rebecca Barnes is a vampire turned by a vampire lover who promised her forever, but then killed himself by standing in the sunlight. This is definitely both. Yeah, it's both. This is both. Horror! Yeah, you definitely got that one. Wow. That one, oh, you were right. It just stood right out. <laughs> I still don't I still don't like the concept of having them both in yeah, there. Yeah, it's I just but, wanted to miss it. But one. anyway, the, that was too good not to be yeah. not to be in there. I appreciate the fact that you you brought that out. Mm-hmm. Okay. A 911 operator receives a ghostly call from a child murdered 30 years ago before and becomes obsessed with unraveling the crime. What she discovers shatters her. Wow. This this could easily be either. A woman solving crime, though. It, I mean, so I remember a movie called In the Cut, and I think it had Meg Ryan in it, and it sound, sounds like... <laughs> it sounds like this. Did I just guess the movie? No. Oh, okay. Um... Mm, I'm going to go Lifetime. Wow, you got them all but one correct, I think. Yeah, that doing all right. That well, was good. No, I got three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah. All right. According to to your scoring. Yeah, that was... That, that, one, that one that I got a half on... I wanted to mess you up with the third one, the third Netflix one, because I think three in a row, I think I thought you would double second guess yourself. Yeah. On the third one of like, oh, wait, he's done two already. But you're too smart. You got it. Yay. That was Lifetime Movie or Horror Movie. Yay. Next, we're moving to Horror Movie News. Do we have an intro for Horror Movie News? Um, Nope. We should do one. Yeah. We got this. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking at me. Please, God, don't sing don't, it. Don't. don't sing it. Don't sing it. I won't be able to be in the room. I would never. I would never do that. <laughs> Movie news. We got a but. Yeah. <laughs> Movie news. Oh, <laughs> look at the I'm, the I'm, waveform on the computer. I'm, oh, uh, oh, it made me so uncomfortable. It's staying in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just a couple. Um, news items first item of news warner brothers made it official that new line horror will own the post labor day space through 2022 they've had a lot of success with horror movie releases post labor day they came out with it last year made a ton of money and the nun this year so they're planning on releasing a new horror movie after Labor Day, because it's seen so much success. I think next year they're going to do It Part 2. I can't believe... I find it hard to believe that it's been a year, over a year since It was released. Yeah, that movie ago. sticks 
like the visuals from that movie feel so fresh in my head. Like I haven't seen it since since I saw it in theaters, and it is right there for me. So I, did it really release over a year ago? Yeah, it was a while ago. Wow. No. Yeah, man. Okay. Yeah. All right. So so what does this mean? So they're gonna they're gonna own the post Labor Day space through twenty twenty two. Does that mean they're just like they're just like shoot they're just like gonna like bring out their big guns on that day? Right. Okay. I think it's just they found hidden gold that post Labor Day is a great time to release hor- a horror movie. Yeah, that's a really because it's probably like end of September. You're like, if we just hold it off for a couple of months, it'll be it'll be October. Yeah, or a, a month. You know, when pumpkin spice lattes are already ruling the day. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's like, what are you doing? Waiting? Are you sitting on your hands? It's like the horror movie equivalent of selling Christmas trees right after Halloween. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just a little too early, but it works. Both of those were pretty strong entries. I don't think The Nun was a very... The Nun was a, was a great uh, title, you know? Like, in a great... But it was super strong. Um... Michael Chavez will be directing The Conjuring 3. James Wan will not be director for the next installment of The Conjuring for New Line Cinema. And third news item, Friday the 13th screenwriter wins rights battle against producer. So the original script of Friday the 13th, the rights to it expired. And he basically pulled back the rights for any new movies or content coming out featuring Jason. It's kind of it's kind of murky because it's only the first one or whatever stuff is in the first one. I think like 2 and 3 aren't. I'm not I'm not sure what it is what what the details are, but the producer basically said like no, he was an employee and he was hired, but um, the judge decided that that um, it was not, you know, an employment agreement. That they just bought his script, and then the rights that are associated with it can be withdrawn. Usually, what happens is is they just come to an agreement and come to a new uh, payment arrangement. Because so, like the the screenwriter got paid like a thousand dollars or oh, two thousand dollars off of. You know, one of the most successful horror franchises. Dude, he's been telling this story at bars for fucking 30 years, <laughs> just being like, fuck, and god damn it. Yeah, not even mentioning the the video game, you know, that just came out as super, super successful. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so stuff related to Friday the 13th might get delayed, or, uh, you know, who knows what happens in the future with that franchise. <laughs> Last news item, rest in peace, Scott Wilson. Uh, the actor that played Herschel on The Walking Dead passed oh, away right. just uh, yesterday as of recording this. That was Saturday the 6th. That's too bad, man. Yeah. He was good. He was a good part of that show. How, was he? Uh, I didn't. He's uh, no longer on the show. He was only in like the first couple seasons. I think I only watched the first two seasons of that show. Was he an old old yeah, man? Yeah, he was the old guy. Okay, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't like terribly surprising. <laughs> Okay, last segment. Yes, it came from social media. To fill the world with terror. To bring you unforgettable suspense. (coughs) What was it? Where did it come from? Who were the all-powerful creatures it brought from social media? And what did they want on Earth? 
All right. Uh, shout out to at Steve Courtney seventy nine for his uh, mention on Follow Friday on Twitter. Uh, we got a ton of followers from that, and we just wanted to say our appreciation for Steve Courtney. Yeah, it was great. He he uh, followed us at the end of Dece- at the end of September, and just last week he he uh, gave us a big shout out. Gave us a big and, shout out, and like a bunch of people followed us. Yeah, and they're all like in line with. You know, they're all kind of on our listener base. So Yeah. So uh, we appreciate any time you share us on social media or, uh, you know, retweet or comment on our stuff. And the thing, uh, I don't think we ever mentioned it in any other past episodes, but we did have a Facebook poll. A week or two ago. A week or two ago. I think it was two weeks ago. Yeah. It was your poll. Why don't you? Yeah, I asked uh, I asked if, if people preferred to see the spook in their horror movies or to not see the spook. And overwhelmingly, people chose uh, n- no spook, stay stay hidden spook, um, which like I can't tell you how how integral that is. Like it takes a well done bad guy to 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 for me to like get behind enjoying it. Like it, like mm-hmm. that's well done. I'm okay with seeing that guy. It doesn't. It doesn't. In fact, it adds dread to it seeing him. Right. Um. Pe- seeing Pennywise. But for the most part, my mind can do way scarier stuff. So, like, that's why Paranormal Activity works so well. That's why Blair Witch works so well for me. Because it's it's the thought of what it could be. How horrible. I like the the line, that must have been a special effect too expensive to show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think your mind does way better at filling in. Yeah. the dread than showing it ever could but uh, lots of people you know my brother he likes he likes to see the spook it he may, it makes it more real for him mm-hmm. like forget about it. if you if you put uh contortionist in uh in movies oh god garrett's checks out like he'll stop <laughs> he'll stop watching the movie and be like no i can't do this i just watched jaws again the other night and that's like the archetype of just don't show anything. Yeah. Just let the let the viewer fill it in their mind, and then by the time that you actually do show it, they're so bought into it that they don't notice how fake it looks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it looks really bad, but the dread that you've associated with it, and just like the John Williams score, is just that that is triggering you so hard that when you see a big old rubber shark that only moves one part. Yeah. That you're like, oh my gosh, it's gonna eat them all. Jaws works on a <clears throat> on a very effective level, which is like a primordial lizard brain level, which is like if you're in a body of water, you don't know what's below you, and you can't know what's below you because you can't see down there. It's the same. It's the same reason people like when they're driving along the freeway and a piece of trash is being blown across the freeway. If you catch it out of the corner of your eye, you freak out and you try and dart around that piece of trash because maybe it's a snake or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's the that's the show for today. Uh, just like to say thanks to everyone that listens to us, everyone that shares us. Uh, we hope to continue on making the show better and and bringing on 
more special guests and and talk about projects um, that are in the works. Please share the podcast with a friend. Leave us a review on iTunes if you haven't already. Uh, you haven't already because no one has. Yeah. <laughs> so. We know you haven't. <laughs> I'm going to have to start stealing my parents' phone and, and leave leave myself a review. So if there's a lot of reviews with the last name Hansen, just look the other way. You know, Or just, assume it's the Mbop guys. Yeah. Um, our only payment is seeing our listenership grow. This is just a labor of love for us. Um, but we love looking at our stats and, and seeing them grow so far. Exponential growth, <laughs> a trend <laughs> that will surely continue. Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, also mention that we went from, uh, every other week releasing to every week. So that might have something to do with it. Shut up. Um, <laughs> uh, any feedback you have for us, leave it for us on Facebook or Twitter, uh, we'll definitely uh, get back to you. Or if you just want to communicate to us through our website, we have a comment section under each post. Special thanks to the Scariest Things podcast for plugging us on their latest episode. Um, like David said, we talked with Eric from Scariest Things, and he's a really nice guy and got a really good podcast going over there. Um, reviewing a bunch of horror movies and his website is just packed full of content yeah man i don't know how they produce so much content yeah they've got they've got, got, got reviews for horror movies for books for you know pretty much anything yeah. out there related to horror on scariestthings.com you'll find it scariest things with one t in yeah. the middle scariest things dot com dot com also special thanks to joe clark for sending us an advanced screener of spiral um thanks again for that robin from in search of darkness is appear uh, for appearing on the show um he's the executive producer of uh the 80s horror doc uh in search of darkness and you can again you can check them out and uh you know support them by contributing to their kickstarter at 80s HorrorDoc.com. That's 80shorrordoc.com. And, uh, oh yeah, for Spiral, the, the website for them is streamspiral.com. Yeah. And uh, also to 12nightsofhorror.com, um, Twitter user at 12nighthorror. They They're are... including us in their, um, in their podcast section. Yep. Yeah. So show them some love. Uh, follow them. Thank you so much for listening today, and uh, we love you. We love you. Bye. That was, this was, we are Horror Movie Talk. Bye. Bye. Bye.